Hey everybody, welcome to Limitless Radio Cast, episode 14. Stick with us today as we sit and talk with a good friend. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today we're sitting down with Dustin Ware. He is the owner and lead instructor of Ohio Combat Sports Academy, and he is a third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he has also over 20 years of training with a plethora more that we'll get into, I'm sure, as well as being an athletic director at a school. And hey man, Dustin, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, you and Chad go back. You guys have some history together, right? Yeah, man, I've known, I've known Chad, I mean, it has to be over, God, it was before I opened my school, I opened my school 11 years ago, uh, August of 2010, so probably before that, I, I can't even, I can't really put a number on I me, mean, I think the first, the very first grappling tournament I ran individually, wasn't even called an OGC, was up at, um, Sheely had done some kind of martial arts tournament, and, um, it was up in, I think, at Akron, maybe. And Scott was like, hey, we want to do grappling. Can you can you come up and throw some grappling together? And I remember they had some, like, zebra mat or not even zebra, like puzzle mats in the corner. And I think maybe Chad had a few guys that had come back then. Because back then, East Coast was more of a karate school. The jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. burgeoning at that point. And I think yeah. he, he trained a lot of the uh, with Terry and those guys. A lot of those guys kind of cross-trained with you. Or my- yeah, they cross-trained. Uh, Tony Sylvester, those yeah, guys. Yeah. 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 And so, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that had to be, I mean, that was 2000. I started the OGC in 2006. So that had to be 2005. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. I'm not even. I'm not yeah. Even it's, sure. it's been a while. I started jujitsu in 04. So yeah, so that was my, mean, so five, six, somewhere in there. Somewhere so. In there. Yeah. Yeah. We've known all each. I told Terry, he wanted to know how long I known you or how we met or, you know, through jujitsu. And I always, I always say that you're one of my first jujitsu friends out of my East coast circle. Right. That, that I started talking to a lot and coming to like, you know, a Wednesday night seminar, let's go. I'm going to Columbus to see Dustin and George, you know? So I did that yeah, many you times. Always, your, your group was always one that, that came down, you know, I've always been a, a big, um, always, 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 and always will be a big, believer and not shutting off my students from the world of jujitsu. Yeah. I was always very open to, you know, that's great. We're a part of this team, but hey, that's really good jujitsu. He has something to teach you. So let's go learn from them. Right. Right. So I always tried to make sure that no matter what school, whether I was the instructor, the owner, whatever, it was very inclusive and that anyone that wanted to come and train was always welcome uh, to come and train. And so, uh, you know, Chad and his guys are always, um, willing to make the drive down whenever we, we hosted seminars, whether it was George or really anyone. We've, I've been very fortunate over the years to host some really incredible seminars, um, here in Columbus. Um, and again, I just think it's because I have a, I have a really open mentality. I just think that's how jujitsu should be. It shouldn't be, you know, this tribal closed off, um, Thing. And, I, and I think it's becoming more open now. Um, yeah. You, you go back and forth. You have teams that are really, really tribal. I'm only going to train with this group. And then you have people that, like myself, and there's other schools even here in Central Ohio that are really open to cross-training. And I think that's great for everybody. You, have you seen that evolve, Dustin, like over time, obviously, just because <laughs> where jujitsu has come, you know, old school versus new school, you know, and it's kind of evolved in like, hey, 
it's not a top secret like hey what i have is secret sauce you know what i mean right. like we're you're willing to give it it was probably it's probably multiple layers of that i, I think the the first one is um and I'll, I'll approach it from a couple angles right as a business owner who am i to tell my my grown adults who are coming and paying for a service that they shouldn't go somewhere else and also have the opportunity to learn. That's disingenuous for me. If I'm telling them I want, I want to be their professor, I want to be their teacher, I want to be their friend, their, their, the person they can count on to help make them improve their jujitsu, but don't look over there. Like that's disingenuous to sure, me. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like taking that approach. Again, from a business, I think nowadays because the accessibility to information is so widespread, if someone comes across someone uh, who, who plays a certain game that's maybe not something you'd do at your school, they're going to seek that out. So why not support that, that, that their desire to get better and improve that part of their game? It doesn't mean they don't respect you as an instructor or don't think they're not happy with your school. So, you know, I think um, accessibility information is a big one. And I just think the culture, um, I don't like to say it's become more Americanized, but I do feel uh, the culture has become more laid back as as maybe some of the original Brazilians who came here 20 years ago or whatever and still had that really team versus team mentality. I think even their mentality about cross training has definitely evolved, um, which is just, you know, filtered down through through all their American black belts now, you know. I mean, I can remember, um, I vividly remember, I was, I was, I was at the Army year when, um, you know, it was such a big deal when, when Dr. Hudson and, um, you know, he's, he's kind of the OG of jiu-jitsu in Ohio and uh, Steve Maxwell, who a lot of people know, the day they got their black belts, I mean, that was such a huge deal because there were like four guys that got their black belts in Ohio, you know, that was huge. Yeah, you know, sure, yeah. It's, it's still a big deal to get your black belt, but I mean, uh, the, the, the caliber of training at all of our academies now has continued to grow. And so through exposure, through growth, um, I just think that that kind of tribal mentality, it still probably exists. Um, also think where you live plays a big part, like where you're at in the country. Sure. You know, probably plays a huge factor in, into that as well. But so I definitely think it's evolved over the years though. Yeah. I think sometimes it turns into a fine line of, you know, I love cross training, obviously, you know, been to your place a lot of times and you know, where you got to find where loyalty lies there too, mm -hmm. which is gets to be a slippery slope sometimes. But um, <laughs> I think proximity is what, you know, it depends on, <laughs> You're right in that, that regard. Um, you know, I, I could say that, you know, like here in Central Ohio, you can kind of go around the Beltway, you go around 270, and we're all kind of in our own little segment around the city. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, we're all kind of maybe either the same team or kind of sister, same sister team or, or whatever the case may be. But I think if you're, if you're, if you're doing your job as an instructor, right and you have good instructors at your academy and you have good people at your academy and you, you know, I think the loyalty thing um, is really important, but I think it just comes with being honest and true with your students. For you sure. Know, not yeah. really trying to, you know, um, I think if you try to, it's like a kid, right? If you try to keep telling a kid, Hey, you're not allowed to have that. They're going to want that even more. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So it's like, I, I think that, you can you can encourage loyalty through openness and honesty with your with your students and your members and um, that's you know has that has that bit me in the past I mean probably I mean right. I think there's a person that's going to watch this video 
or a jujitsu instructor, at least in the state of Ohio, that hasn't had a student who at some point in time who they really felt really close to openly decided that it was better for them to go somewhere else. And it stings. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You yeah. know, when it happens sometimes, it is, it is a painful experience because, you know, you feel like you, you invest not just knowledge because, I mean, they might even be better than me now, whatever the case may be, but it's right. time. You know, we don't get our time back. And we, we spend with so many of our students, sometimes more than our own family, and, um, you know, so we don't get that time back. And when someone feels like that their time is being wasted with you and you've committed maybe years of training with these people, that sucks. It, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I, that's what I was going to say. It sucks. And, and yeah, I think it gets better the older we get. Like, I, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't bother me like it used mm-hmm. to. Like, I used I to really get – I used to really get butthurt about it. Like, mm-hmm. man. But like you said – you know, about cross training, they're grown men paying a fee to do, you know, what are you going to do at the end of the day, you're left with the students that want to be there. And that's who you got to devote your time for. And it might happen again. It might happen all over. (laughs) I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think now that I'm older, you know, I'm only, I say I'm older. I don't, I have guys in my gym that are much older than me. They're in way better shape than me. (laughs) Half as long as me. And so when I always feel like, oh, I'm old, and I look over and I've got a student who's like 55 and he's won like four master worlds. I'm like, all right, I'm not, I'm not old. <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> I'm not old, but I feel old. But um, you know, I'll be 43 soon, and you know, I think as I've gotten older, it doesn't bother me as bad. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if that's because the school's grown and it's like, well, we'll just replace that one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kind of the approach I've taken. Um, I just I've learned to what did I always say? small stuff not that it's small stuff but in the grand scheme of of my day-to-day life um i can't let it you know really wear on me you know it's like that you know uh, grain of sand kind of mentalities it doesn't serve a purpose on your day-to-day life it serves a purpose but it's a very small purpose of your true life who's in front of you who's still there like chad just alluded to you know, the students who want to be there are still there. They're still being loyal. They're still coming to you, getting all the information that they need at your, um, you know, at the academy and whatnot. So those other people, it's like, hey, all right, do what you got to do. And yeah. I'm still going to have people here, you know. <clears throat> right, right. What was yeah. uh, Ohio? Oh, I'm going to be honest, but go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. No, you, I was going to say, uh, so you, you landed in Ohio with the academy. So what was that? Like, as in, why did you pick Ohio? <laughs> so I was going to school at um, Marshall University down in oh, West yeah. Virginia. Right on. And, um, and I actually left Huntington to move to Washington, D.C. right when I first started training jiu-jitsu. So I started training in um, September of 1998. And um, about a year and a half into training, the first year I trained, like I was with a, a group. They're still down there in Huntington. They're kind of, they're like, kind of the, they were really the first group training jujitsu in West Virginia. It's called Ground Zero Fighting Systems. Uh, there's a group of them in Morgantown and a group down in Huntington. And um, I was there for like the first year, we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, we were watching, you know, there was like six of us on some folding mats. We shared space with a Kung Fu gym. We do like 30 moves a night. We didn't know, we just trained hard and we'd get beat up by the same two instructors. And I use that term was instructors. And, um, you know, Tim and Ashley just would beat our ass. And, um, so for the first year, I wouldn't even really call it training jujitsu. We were just rolling around, watching, you know, any Portuguese 
uh, DVD or like video cassette we could find on on eBay. We'd buy just to replicate <laughs> what we saw. I mean, and so in in about a year and a half after that, I moved to uh, DC uh, to uh, briefly work in law enforcement in Washington. Um, when I was there, actually, uh, it's just crazy how the jujitsu world works. When I went there for an interview, I like called a bunch of jujitsu schools and it was like, "Hey, can I stop by and train?" You know, I'm a white belt, and um, I went to this school. It's called a Fighters Garage. It was in Falls Church, Virginia. And it was like the first time I'd ever seen a female instructor. I was like, this is a female purple belt. She must be a badass. And she was. She was legit. <laughs> and, uh, but there was a guy there named Tony Waldecker. And Tony's the man. Like, he's a fifth degree under Helsin now. But back then, he was like a four-strike blue belt. He was a, like a, I want to say he was a Sambo world champion at the time. He was an arm wrestling world champion. He had been a Marine. This guy was a man's man. <laughs> so, long story short, short um, I was like, man, I'm looking for a place to stay. And Tony had met me one time. He's like, hey, man, this, I got a space in my attic. So I, when I moved to Virginia, when I moved to the D.C. area, I didn't know anyone except for this guy I met at one open mat. And he just kind of opened his doors to me. And I looked for almost a year. And uh, I trained a lot with him. And the school the school was really, I don't want to say weird, but for me it was weird. I just told you we just rolled all the time at Ground Zero. Well, this school is very old school Gracie. So, like, white belts were not allowed to roll. Mm. Um you, you trained one class a week, was in street clothes. Like, it was very valued, like, very old school. And uh, every now and then I would sneak in and, and roll some with with uh, Tony because he was a blue belt. He's a big guy. I was a big guy. So he always wanted bigger guys to work with. But I would train with, there, with him, go over to a Yamasaki affiliate, and I would train there once a week. Then I would train with, uh, with Lloyd Irvin probably twice a week with Master Lloyd back then. Um, and so um, he had had some ties with my original coach, Ashley Lockwood. And uh, so trained there for a while, moved back. Long story short, I graduated from college. And um, really, I was looking at either Atlanta, Charlotte, or Columbus. Uh, those are pretty much the three biggest cities in proximity to, to Huntington, West Virginia. And um, really, it ended up Columbus was only on my list because I had been to a bunch of jiu-jitsu tournaments in Columbus. And I didn't really know anything about Columbus. My wife is from Southern Ohio. Um, and honestly, that was like the first job I was offered out of college was in Columbus. So really, it wasn't like there was a plan to come here. It was just they. the first interview I had, it was easy to get to. It was only three hours from home. Um, we drove up. I got the job. I moved like a week later. It was actually the weekend of the Arnolds in 2003, the first weekend of March. Um, and my wife moved up like a month later. So... It's kind, of, it's kind of crazy how it all played itself out. That kind of stuff happens like that too, though. You know what I mean? Like when you sit back and look yeah. at it and you're like, yeah, that's kind of just how it works. And it's all meant, look at the purpose now. I mean, look where you are. Look at all the students that you've promoted and the people that have come through your academy that you've had and all that. I mean, it's, it's really crazy when you think about how I even started teaching in Columbus because I really was under the mindset. I was only like a three-strike purple belt. And at, at my school and where I trained in Huntington, um, everyone was kind of on the same level. Like the, even the coaches I was just talking about, they were all at that time. We were, we were, we'd been under George Grigel for a while at that point, but we were all purple belts. I think maybe, maybe little D had gotten his Brown. I can't remember, but, um, so anyway, uh, when I came up to Columbus, the first thing I thought was like, man, I'm probably going to have to switch team, new team. Cause I'm clearly not capable of coaching. I don't have a school. We don't have an affiliate in Columbus. Um, I know Helson. I'd worked for, for Master Helson like, directly. So I, I'm very good friends and, and talked to the Helson Gracie School. 
And that's kind of what I thought was going to end up happening. And believe it or not, there's, I don't know, you ever heard of these, these are called AKJU, American Karate and Jiu-Jitsu Union. So hmm. they're karate tournaments. And it's a guy out of, out of Chillicothe named Don Madden. He's an old school karate guy. Well, he used to do grappling, like grappling divisions. And they were real big in West Virginia. And um, he, he did one like a week after I moved to Columbus, like right here at this high school outside of Columbus. So I went just, they're, they're fun. If you're like a blue belt or something, it's, I mean, their black belts are equivalent to like a blue belt. If you kind of get my drift. So I yeah. went and ended up running into this guy and he was like, man, you're a purple belt. You know, you, were you from around here? And I'm like, yeah, I just moved here. He's like, oh man, I teach it. I, I trained at the school down the street. We'd love to have a purple belt come train with us sometime. So next thing you know, I mean, that was what was originally Columbus MMA. I mean, that's how I ended up teaching. Those guys didn't really have a coach. They had like 10 students at the time. Um, they were more of a, they were an IMB school. So Richard Bustillo was like a JKD. They did Muay Thai. They did grappling. Um, and so I went over there and kind of met those guys. And really that was, that's, that's just how I ended up teaching at all in Columbus was just happenstance. I happened to run into an named Vince and, you know, from there it just kind of snowballed. For the rest of his history. Yeah, the rest of <laughs> history. So, but, but yeah, it's crazy how, you know, you mentioned, you know, you don't really realize how the, like the butterfly effect of jujitsu, right? You meet one person and that person connects you to another person. And the next thing you know, an opportunity presents itself. Um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have, I would have never opened my academy OCSA if it wasn't for like some very significant, like flashpoint moments that just happened to happen for me, you know, I probably never would have had the confidence if it wasn't for my coach constantly telling me like, no, you're a great instructor. You should, you're going to open your own school one day. I know you'll have your own school. Like he would tell me that all the time. You'll do this full time. Like I believe in you. George would constantly tell me that. Um, and then honestly, oddly enough meeting, you know, I, I kind of met Matt Brown at a, a MMA like training session. One of my guys was getting ready for a fight. He was getting ready to have his very first amateur fight. I happened to be in the gym with him and I was like, this guy doesn't know a lot of jujitsu. I'm, I'm not great, but I'll work out with him. We just became good friends and I started training with him a lot or I should say he trained at our school a lot and uh, I managed him for a little bit and um, years go by, he makes his UFC or whatever. And um, he actually was one of the first supporters of like, he helped me get my, without getting too much into it, he kind of helped me get the OCSA up and, up and running. Um, you know, and it's just one of those, Things that, you know, if you'd asked me eight years before when I first met him, that would have never been something that I thought would have played out. You know what I mean? So it's just crazy how people in this community and how you talk about loyalty. I mean, that's a sense of loyalty. That was a friendship move. That wasn't like I owe this guy anything, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's crazy how um, how many pieces can kind of uh, the six degrees of separation kind of work in the, in the jiu-jitsu and MMA community. It does very much so. Um I, I've talked about this recently on a show with Chad and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly new into jujitsu a little over a year now. And, uh, you know, I just went in with the mindset of wanting to see who I was and I wanted to train. I want to, I love it. I love training. I'm kind of a gym rat when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> never expected to have the relationships that I have or to gather the family or, you know, like Chad's one of my best friends now. And it's like, 
we have a podcast together, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Yeah. I never would have thought that, but to see and like to talk to individuals like you and to have seminars and to talk to those guys and to be around all the people that I've been around within the short period of time, I'm like, yeah, this is totally different than anything anyone could imagine. And it is super crazy in a great way, but it, but yeah, like there is that small separation where it's like, Hey, and like you said, does that anyone will in the jujitsu community pretty much will do anything for you pretty much. I would think, you know, like at least that's my experience so far. It's like, Hey, if I can help you, I'll do it. You know? So that's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Well, we're glad you have an Academy in Ohio. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, you know, I keep joking that when my, my daughter graduated in five or six years, whatever that is, that where if she goes to school somewhere, I'll, I'll move. We're going to, you know, it's my only kid. If she goes to school far away, then my wife and I will pack up and we'll go. And her excuse is, what are you going to do about the school? And I was like, well, you know, I'll, we'll figure that out when the time comes. <laughs> I'll still be here. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. So school's not going anywhere. I mean, but you know, I, I have to follow my kids. So sure. Right on. Thank you for that. I mean, I, yeah, you know, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It is to, back, to backtrack a little bit. You got to stay under George the whole time. Right. So you never had to. Yeah. I, I never had to, um, you know, and it was never, you know, George and I have a very close relationship. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's, he's, he's almost more like family. I don't even, it's not that I don't respect him as my jujitsu coach. That's not it at all. It's right. Like, it's like, it, it really literally is like, I, I see him as like family. You know, I, I could go almost a year, maybe not see him. It's been over a year now. And I'm sure the yeah. next time I see him, you know, he'll be screaming across the mat. He calls me Big Sexy. He has for, <laughs> and that's always been my name. You know, it, it, you just kind of, it's one of those friendships you, when you, when you, when you beat on each other and, yeah. you, and you bleed and you, you share those kind of, those, those moments with another person where you really, you genuinely care. I mean, I've been there in the locker room, you know, I matched, how I met George was the, like early, early MMA days, there was this show in Chillicothe and I was the matchmaker. And I use that term loosely because back then <laughs> people just showed up that day and you looked at pieces of paper and said, this guy looks like he should fight this guy. And yeah. that's, how you, that's how you did it. And, uh, and you paid to fight. So you'd show up and give me 50 bucks and then I'd let you fight in a cage that was made like dog kennel. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's how I met George. He This guy brings... um. This guy named Ron Stout, who was kind of a known MMA fighter out of Dayton area, and he comes over to me. He goes, "I got this Brazilian kid here. He'll fight anybody in the building under 185 pounds. He doesn't care about the record. He'll he'll fight him." And I'm looking over at this guy, and back then George is like, he's kind of in shape, but he's got like this baby face. He's got this little typical cute little guy haircut or whatever. And I'm like, who is like who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so I found some guy who's like there in like camo shorts and he's duct taping his hand before the fight. And he says he's had like 20 fights. I'm like, sure, George is going to fight that guy. Well, I didn't know he was a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, which, I mean, he could have been walking on water once I found out he was a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Because <laughs> no know, one was then. <laughs> no one was yeah. that, right? And so, you know, my, my experience, my first opportunity to meet George was in those fights. And then talking to him afterwards, just kind of in awe, like, oh, man, you're a brown belt. I actually, I studied jujitsu. Oh, you should come to my academy. Yeah, okay, man. I, I live in West Virginia. No, really, you should come. I mean, I, I spoke to him for like 30 minutes. Fast forward probably five or six months. I'm at a jujitsu tournament in Columbus. And we had just won. My buddy Brian and I went up there. And he... He comes over, he recognizes me, he goes, man, I thought I told you to come to my academy. 
And I said, man, I don't have a car. I'm a college student. You know, you should, you know, I don't have a way to get there. He says, look, you have a car pointing to my friend. He's like, yeah. He says, okay, both of you come to my academy. You can stay at my house. Just come to my academy free. Just come. Sorry, right, we go up there maybe like two weeks, stay at his house. We do all these private lessons with him. We train in his academy um, there in Middletown, Ohio. And I never asked for a dollar. I mean, never, not, not, not one, right? And um, he's like, so you guys are coming up next weekend? And I was like, ah, next weekend. So a couple of weeks, we go back up there. And uh, he has a, a friend visiting from Fortaleza, Brazil, named Marcus Bofi. And that guy was like a wizard. I mean, he... He did stuff I had never seen before. Some of the stuff I still use to this day. And um, again, didn't never ask me for a dollar. And it was his his genuine care about his students is what always stuck with me. Um, and so as the years progressed and as I progressed and our team grew, um, you know, it just became much more of a relationship of like, much, I mean, it gets, it's so cliche, right? Oh, jujitsu is all about family. I mean, I say it even when new members show up at my school, like, hey, this is a cliche term, but you really will find people here that will ultimately be some of your closest friends. You won't be able to do anything about it. Jiu-jitsu will just make it happen. That is, yeah. to me, the, the greatest power jujitsu holds over people is that it, it, it almost forces you to have a friendship that you didn't know was out there, right? Yeah. Yep. People it does, that, yeah. These, these, this makeshift group of people that you probably never would come in contact with, um, you know, from, I have, on my mat some mornings, I'll look down and I'll have the guy with the tattoo on his neck training with the police officer. I'll have the, the, the corporate executive over here training with the college student who smells like weed. I mean, it's, <laughs> you've got, you've got this, you know, this, this combination of people that, that come together and the one thing that seems to, to pull them together is jujitsu. And so I think there's there's obviously something in it that's more than just the martial art aspect of it that that kind of binds people together. So that's what stuck me to I think that's what and I'm a real loyal person. So I think you know that's what kind of got me to stick with George um you know and SAS team. And so it's never really been a, a, an option for me to 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 consider going anywhere else. That's the coolest thing about jujitsu as well. Uh, you know, people always ask you, obviously people in my family or outside will be like, why do you want to do this? Or, you know, why would you go and do this? And I said, after I, you know, got the gist of everything and, and, you know, fell into, let's say the puzzle pieces and whatnot of, you know, friendship there and whatnot, I was like, you know how awesome it is to walk into a place and no one cares where you came from or what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, all they care about is your well-being and that you are training and that you are there. They care more about that and about everything else. They don't care about all that other nonsense that doesn't matter in the world. And I said, there's nothing like that in the world. And people are like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you, man, do it. Just try it. Like, yeah. and yeah, it's not for everybody. I get it. You know, <laughs> being choked out is not the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> you know what, Chad, let me ask you a question. Cause that, that, I often wonder, and you've been around a long time, so you can you can speak to this. That mm. term right there, you hear a lot of people try to say that jujitsu is for everybody, and I don't necessarily. I like like you, Terry. I don't necessarily agree with that. It's I think it's I think the ability to learn jujitsu is open. Sure. To yeah. Yes. But I don't know that it because I think it takes a, a an, you have to be honest with yourself to really stick with jujitsu because if you're one of these people, I used to, I tell people now. Like the mats are like truth serum and who you are as a real person, not a jujitsu practitioner, who you are as a person 
comes out on the mat. If you're a quitter, then you're going to quit. It's, yeah. You're not going to stick with it because it's too hard. It, it's too hard psychologically to deal with all the hardship with learning jujitsu when you mm-hmm. first out. So, I mean, do you have do you find that that's a true statement, or has that been something that maybe? Yeah, I think I've changed over. I used to be that guy, like it is for everybody, but it's definitely not. I mean, I think if it was, we'd all have a thousand students at our door, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously family and different things interfere with people that might that might not still come or they quit, but it, it's not for everybody. The potential is there for it to be for, be for everybody, but it's not. Definitely not. And I even think, you know, it doesn't have to do with um... – dumbing down your school in other words like you know i tell people all the time you know we don't at my academy we don't necessarily teach for you know street fighting we don't necessarily teach for mma we don't necessarily teach for competition we just teach jujitsu like that's that's just what we teach so when people absolutely well this isn't legal in that tournament that's great but i don't teach for tournament rules (laughs) like (laughs) right or something useful it's what it's part of what we're going over right and so I think uh, you can you can make jujitsu fit everyone's ability, but I think sometimes you're you're not being genuine or true to what you're trying to accomplish. And so I've never tried to kind of cram in a certain way of teaching. It's just we just teach. You know, we're really yeah. fortunate. Have, uh, you know, we have several black belts at our academy, and so um, all of us have slightly different backgrounds. I mean, they've all been with me for a long, long time. I mean, long, long time. Um, but we all have a different view. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing too, is that you can get different points of view. But even regardless of who's teaching, me or, or Rich or Packer, you know, we all have different backgrounds. I think we're all, you know, we all just teach jiu-jitsu. We don't try to, we don't try to soften it. We don't try to make it super hard. You know, just it's hard enough as it is. But I think individuals have to find um, what they like about it. And, and and hold on to that and that's what the that's what they'll stick with and sometimes it's the people i mean i, I i'm sure i've got students that the only reason why they keep coming back is they've they've latched on to a group of friends that they never they never had or a community that they never had yeah and i think a lot of people are looking for that they just don't realize it when they come you know and i said it you know, a hundred times and a lot on this podcast is when people walk in east coast i want them to feel that atmosphere first yes and, and then say, oh, they're good at jujitsu too. Yeah. You know, the, the atmosphere is, a, you know, Terry hasn't been around that long yet, but you've been in gyms where you walk in and you're like, it's going to fight. I'm going to fight today. Yes. Or, you know, yes. you know, you get that vibe as soon as you walk in and I don't want that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, coming. I think what's funny, Chad, is a lot of the stuff you say, I, I know, or at least I'm going to assume are, are character traits that I'm going to throw you out there that you picked up from Steve. Oh, a lot for sure. And I want to tell you, you know, you, you probably have never heard me say this, but a lot, I mean, I already had an idea when I was building, like opening my school, the, the, the kind of culture I wanted, mm-hmm. how to do a lot of those things. I picked up from conversations I had with Steve. I don't know if you remember one time I came up to your place mm-hmm. and um, teaching that night, maybe I'm not sure. But um, just just a little, I think we had like an hour-long conversation, um, Steve and I did. And it was just one of those things, again, so that, that it's always kind of stuck with me. And it, it talked about the culture. And that was something that we both agreed that that's, that's got to be at the forefront of any school that's going to be successful. And, and if mm-hmm. you get 
develop a culture. It doesn't matter how good the people are at your school. It doesn't matter what kind of facility you have. There has to be an inclusive culture at your at your school that kind of uh, just works its way into every belt level. It can't just be the instructors. It can't just be the, the black belts or whoever, the, the pro fighter in the corner. It really had to be, we are establishing a culture. And so, like you said, when people come into my school, I don't, like I don't even like doing a lot of business over email. I'll text, I'll set up a meeting, but I want you to come to my school so you can look around and you can see like, man, this isn't what I thought it was, especially the, especially the, I want to be an MMA fighter guy. I need you to come to my school and, and really right. what a school was about. Sure, I mean, that's why right. I picked the school. So I called it an academy. We teach. We're a school, we're a place of higher learning. It's not just to come in here and beat each other in the face. You know, we're not in here just strangling the new guy in the corner. Like, I want you to feel like I'm, I'm going to a class to learn from an instructor. And oh, by the way, I get to do it with all my really good friends. And I'm learning something that's very tangible and challenging at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, I had a kid um, uh, message me on Facebook the other day one day. He's like, hey, I really want to do MMA and I want to fight. And I'm like, are you sure? You know, it was my first response. I said, you know, I said, we really don't have an MMA class. We have kickboxing, jujitsu, come in, try a free class. So we did jujitsu and he signed up like the next day. He's like, you know, thank you. And he made, made sure he came and told me, he's like, every one of your students came and talked to me. They helped me. And that's what it's all about. 100%. 100%. You know, I don't. That same same scenario played out for me just the other day. A 16 year old come in, wants to be a fighter. He's from uh, East Africa, and his dad showed me videos of how they fought in East Africa. He's like, this is how we wrestle in East Africa. And I'm like, they're in the sand wearing a belt, like beating each other. We're not going right. to And his son was like, yeah, I want to be a fighter. I said, well, look. So he showed up one day, and there was either the kickboxing class or the jiu-jitsu class. And I said, man, he said, which one do you think I should do? And I said, well, do the jiu-jitsu class. For I know you want to be a fighter, but go try jiu-jitsu class. And, you know, see how it goes. And then I'll follow up with you tomorrow. I was leaving the academy. And then I get a text the next morning. He was like, you were so right. I'm in love with jujitsu now. He says, yeah, let's, let's sign up. I'm not worried about being a fighter. And, it's, and that, that happens all the time. I think it happens at all of our academies. Again, though, the culture plays a, a big part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, you know, if somebody wants to fight, you know, we'll get them, get them there too. And, you know, you've had fighters over the years. We've had some, that's why I've never considered ourselves a fight gym. We're a martial arts academy, you know, and I always, if there, if guys were going to fight, we had rules like you're training in the gi, you're doing this, you're doing this and you have to, you know, carry yourself a certain way. So that was my big thing when I started bringing guys to like your tournaments is like, we're going to be represented in this way. Because I never want to be that school to be like, oh man, East Coast is here. You know, I want to be that school that's like, oh, East Coast, them are cool dudes. That's what, you know, and that'll never change. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something about the, you know, reputation in our community. It's still so small, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, one, one, one person that represents your school could be at a tournament, act like a jackass, and now your school is instantly labeled mm-hmm. as that has that jackass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much good work you try to put out in the community, no matter how much, you know, how the integrity of the instructors or character or goodwill you've done, you know, so it's it's really important. You know, Chad's, you know, you're 100% right. I mean, I think uh, we have rules too. Like, I don't even consider training someone for MMA until they've earned their blue belt. Like, yeah. that's even something I'll even, we want a discussion. Because if you can't stick around long enough to get your blue belt, why am I wasting my time trying to train yeah. you? Sure. Right. So, yeah, but I think 
the the character piece is something that unfortunately I think that it is something that isn't always adhered to, even at jujitsu schools. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've met, you know, across the board. I've been very fortunate to travel with jujitsu. And I mean, I've been to just about any state I've met just like anything else. You'll meet jerks in, in any athletic competitive environment. Sure. Yeah. Right. So in regards to rank, I know a couple of hiring guys. I'm like, man, you're a jackass. Like, I don't know how that guy <laughs> be a black belt or how did that happen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have that, I guess. Right. Like just right. in general, I mean, you just numbers, have, right. It's a yeah, numbers game. Like, the numbers game happen. for sure. Yeah bound to happen but for the culture for the most part at least my for my experience everyone's super cool like yeah i've interacted with and it's like hey i just i told chad i had a guy <clears throat> i work with reached out to me weeks ago and he was like man i didn't know you train jujitsu you know what are you know what what's your rank and stuff and uh he trains up in uh towards the cleveland area and uh he's a purple belt and i was like oh dude i'm just a white belt you know i started a little over a year ago he's like oh that's awesome and you know we've been i'm an engineer and office junkie, you know, so I, I, but we were working at home. So I haven't seen him forever because we have a gym at work. So I've usually been working out every day in the gym okay. there and stuff. And uh, he's like, Oh man, now I know you work out all the time. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, that's all <laughs> other stuff. I was like, I'm just a white belt, <laughs> but I would love to train anytime you want. He's like, all right, man, right. we'll hook up sometimes. So, but it was cool. Just like that small little thing. It was like, you know, you got some good stuff like that. And then, like you said, Dustin, sometimes you'll come across people that are just like, what are you like? Oh, what's this? Which I've told Chad this just recently. I stopped at a, the store and I had a rash guard on that said jujitsu against the world. And I was out on my way to the gym and the guy was like, you train jujitsu? What's your rank? And he was, and I was like, I've, you know, just been in over a year, a little bit. And um, I was like, I'm just a white belt. He's like, oh, you're only a white belt. And I was like, yeah, I'm just a white belt. I was like, school's down the street man you're more than welcome to come train anytime right. it's all i said i was like what did you want me to say like <laughs> i'm gonna be 44 years old <laughs> a couple weeks right so. <laughs> i mean realistically i find that when you meet someone and that's the first question you know they're completely oblivious to uh one the the skill it takes and the work it takes obviously for jujitsu but in, in my opinion i think they're also oblivious to really their own uh, self-defense capabilities sure you know, if you take a real a student who's training three days a week, you know, good jujitsu, not even doing boxing or kickboxing, just jujitsu, you give me that person for eight months, ten months, not a blue belt yet, but just really solid three, four straight white belt. I would I would let any mugger attempt to try to take that person's wallet and they would have a hell of a fight on their hands. Sure. Absolutely. I use um, at my school is that if I took a person and threw them in the ocean, right? And I never taught them to swim. They would flail around, they would move their body, but ultimately they would drown right? because no one ever taught them how to swim. Sure. I took a person and gave them 10 swimming lessons and threw them in the ocean. They're also moving their body, but they're moving their body the right way. Yeah. More efficient with the movements. They understand what the water is going to try to do to them, what, what gravity is doing to them. They understand because someone has showed them the right way to right. move. And it's like for people that that that, that train jujitsu, that's all I don't so you're not a I'm not a fighter, you're not a fighter, Chance not fighter. I'm not a fighter. Sure. But jujitsu has given me almost like a cheat code if I ever had to fight. Yeah. Because I'm gonna know how to play this game. The question is, is does the person across across from me? Do they know right. how to play the game? Because if not, we're they're in a bad spot. Yeah. yeah. Your world's apart. 
even that's if what they, jiu-jitsu yeah. i think gives in and that's the confidence i think it gives to new people who are like yourself newer to sure. the, that you do you just have a, a greater sense of um your own ability uh carry yourself Absolutely. And I think that keeps that keeps us out of trouble too. We yes. the confidence, the way you carry yourself. Um, obviously, timing is you know time and place always comes into that. But I think you know you, you carry yourself a certain way. People just you know you treat people different. They look at you different. All that stuff. I've never been in a fight in my life ever. I don't plan on it. You know, like yeah. Not since I've trained jujitsu, I've ever been in a fight. I, yeah. Yeah, that was not the best kid. But, but <laughs> since, I've, since, I've, since I've trained jiu-jitsu, I've never really had to, you know. I'm yeah. also a big guy, so I don't get challenged a whole, whole lot. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, I don't see many people running up on you. No. no. Running yeah, up to get an autograph. I, Shake your head. It's funny, though, because as an athletic director, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a city school. So, you know, when mm. kids, you know, oh, AD, whatever there does – because we have some fitness stuff in our, in our academy and um, one of the football players works out with one of the trainers at my gym. And so he was telling some of the kids one day and I had all this money for a soccer game at the gate. And this kid's like, what would you do if, if I just decided to take that money? And I said, I mean, I guess you would take that money. I'm like, I mean, school's money. It's not mine. I mean, you want to take it. <laughs> the kid was like, he's like, I wouldn't mess with where you know, he knows how to fight. He does all that jujitsu stuff. And this kid was like, and he's one of the bigger kids, like a lawman. And he was like, he's like, Mr. Where you're too old, man. I think, I don't think you could. I said, man, I'm not I, just, if you want to come to my academy, we can roll around. Have fun. I said, but I'm not, you're right. You probably would wear me out. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything with you. So, I mean, that's you know, what you're going to do. You know, you're going to, I think honestly, it's a lot of times it's the bigger guys that do get called out more because people, just want to it's it's kind of like the the, the product effect right the Japanese yeah yeah bigger big scary bob sap guy you just want to see what he can do sure right yeah it's all the more reason why I just kind of um you got more to live up to right yeah like i don't i don't really worry about it too much do most of the kids know because you're the athletic director do they know uh the, yeah i think the, the ones so it's, it's crazy as an agent in my school i mean i've I talked to some of the kids but you know, it's more just passerby. I spend most of my time sure. as a coach. That's oh, I nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, all the coaches know what to do, especially the wrestling coach. And uh, even around our school district, a lot of people know, you know, what I what I do. I'm, I'm in a unique position. I mean, I really – I jumped into being an AD just because I've really kind of checked off every other athletic accomplishment job-wise, right? I've, I've been in every part of this combat sport game for better part of 15 years and made a living at it, you know? And so, um, a couple of years ago, the school was kind of doing pretty well. And, um, honestly, the, the tournament scene in, in Ohio had become very saturated. It was my business mind was like, this is not making as much sense anymore to try to run five or six tournaments a year in comparison to the other five or six tournaments that are going on. We was like cannibalizing our own, you know, mm-hmm. own product. Yeah. Like own people so, and clients. Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of it kind of was losing its interest in me. I mean, I just was like, this is not as fun as it used to be. The tournaments were all getting smaller, and so I was like, you know, let me. There's a couple of positions I wouldn't mind looking into, and I enjoy. You know, one of the things I've always really liked about jujitsu is I think it brings out in most people. It can bring out, it let them see something in themselves they didn't see. And sports was always that for me. Being an athlete growing up. It provided me um, 
just intangible character traits that I don't think anything else would have brought out of me. And then jujitsu was a whole new thing when I got in at 19 uh, to, to have this sense of uh, family. It developed a part of character that I didn't think I had a mental toughness that even then I didn't have. And so I was like, you know, I think I want to do something with sports and kids. And so um, really the AD job just kind of landed in my lap. It wasn't nice. you're looking for. So it's another blessing, man. Yeah, you know, I, that's I, awesome. I, I'm, I'm very fortunate for the people that have come into my life and opened doors for me. So uh, I can't, uh, you know, uh, I can't help but thank those people. So. Yeah. You know what that is, Dustin? That's good karma because you've done the same thing for people too. You know, it all goes hand in hand, man. Pay it forward. I appreciate that. I hope so. I hope so. You know, um, I would say uh, probably one of the, I got I to gotta chuckle. When, when I saw that post you made uh, last year, when, earlier this year, I don't remember what it was, uh, about the, the Mount Rushmore of, of, of Ohio. Yeah. And, dude, I mean, I, I about fell out my chair when I read that because I was so humbled uh, to even be considered uh, in, that, in, 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 in that conversation. Um, so, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just hope that, you know, I know what jiu-jitsu has done for me personally. Mm-hmm. The opportunities it's provided me to, you know, as a, as a poor kid growing up in West Virginia, to be able to, you know, uh, teach multiple times in foreign countries and to be able to travel the world and and, and go to places I never thought were going to be something that was on my radar and uh, to have literally friends in every state and every corner of the country that I could call on a moment's notice and and literally have legitimate help if needed it right and yeah um you know I, I just always wanted to or want to continue to try to give back to the community that uh, of for this art that has done so much for me and my family and 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 so i if if if, if that's what's going to award or afford me some some good fortune mm-hmm. then so be it uh, i'm just going to keep trying to to strengthen our community however i can and and uh and just be as as positive influence as I can. So, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Keep, keep grinding. Keep yeah, grinding. Sure. Keep positive. You gonna do? Uh, you gonna get back into the tournament scene? You gonna? You think? Yeah, I'll probably. I, you know, so I was waiting to see. Obviously, with COVID, it was. Um, I was. So I served on the the governor's um, advisory committee last year to reopen athletic facilities, and it's crazy how I even got brought into that it was like a it was a chain reaction of phone calls uh, <laughs> this, this this general who works for dewan who's the head of veteran affairs calls her son her son's like i know a guy let me call him be <laughs> one of my old fighters chris farrington chris farrington calls me and uh, he's like yeah man this is Debbie, uh, major general ashenhurst wants to talk to you and i'm like for what <laughs> like, <laughs> And um, and so I end up on this this advisory committee or whatever. And so when the COVID thing, when they shut us all down and then opened us back up in May, um, the guidelines are in place back then. I thought it would be very difficult for any venue to to really allow, you know, whatever. So fast forward, you know, almost a year now, and I and I think we're at a point. I mean, obviously, I've attended a couple of tournaments here recently and and kind of seen what's going on there. And I mean, to each their own. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna 
tell them how they should run their tournament or sure. mm-hmm. what rules they should follow. I mean, we all have guidelines. And at the end of the day, uh, I just remember when we all first shut down down here in Central Ohio, I remember vividly the March 13th weekend, me texting my buddy Robin Geisler at the Gracie Academy and BJ Nelson at Super Systems. And I said, guys, what do y'all think about this COVID thing? Like, what are you, what are you guys going to do? Are you really going to shut down? We're talking about shutting our business down. And we all agreed. Probably the responsible thing to do is we'll close for a week and then we'll open back up. Like that's kind of where we were at with everything, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think even now I still carry um, the desire to be responsible, um, but at the same time I think we we know a lot more now, and I think we're 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 I think people that are willing to um, I don't want to use the word risk, but they're they're wanting to train jujitsu, do jujitsu, do, do something physical. They're, they're going to come to your tournament. As long yeah. as you're being responsible. I think if I can do it responsibly, then I'm going to so I'm probably going to do a small one uh, at my Academy. I've been doing a lot of my tournaments at my Academy nice. set up perfectly for it. Yeah. Um, and so we'll probably do a small one, like no gi only um, do like, you know, three, four way classes, just a small, just to kind of get back. It's been over since we've ran one. So sure. probably the end of summer, sometime in fall, um, is when I'm going to try to nice. try to in. So, how many students do you guys have? So, you know, you ask me that. It's crazy right now. Now, for me, we've never we've never had a ton of students. And when I say ton, it's like I look at someone like Bill Jones, who's got like I don't know. It seems like he has a million students. <laughs> right. Like, and um, you know, and <laughs> Bill's just really good at knocking that out. Right. Right. And so we've. We've always we've always hovered around like 110, 115 students. Mm-hmm. But this last, I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know if people are finally getting comfortable with going out and doing something like jujitsu. Maybe it's something they always wanted to try, and now they're now they're trying it. I don't know. But in the last, actually, let me look my phone real quick. In the last week, we've signed up like 26 students. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I don't have, and I don't have good metric as to why, cause we have done nothing different, but it just, I mean, like it was cause between my full-time job and in the school it's, and my daughter plays a lot of sports, right? So AU basketball and truck club soccer. Right now. So I have very few times where I can meet. I, told you earlier, I like to meet with every single thing. Sure. In. And so the other night, I had a scheduled time to meet with a guy. And he said, oh, I want to bring my two kids in. I said, okay, great. So he comes in and he goes, well, there's actually five of them. <laughs> they're, they're cousins when I come to. And I was like, oh, okay. So my normal, like our little kids class, which normally has like nine kids in it, 10 hmm. kids maybe, had like 17 kids that night. And um, so no, I mean, right now the school's growing. We're probably – Full-time and part-time students, because we have a couple of different ways that people could be members. But I would say full-time and part-time, we're probably right around 150, 160 students, something like that. Nice, nice. man. Yeah. Not, not crazy, not like, you know, some of these mega academies you hear about, but um, it's definitely a lot more than when I started 11 years ago. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet, yeah. Just, I mean, Chad was at my grand opening, right? Yeah. My, my original school had a 24-foot by 24 foot and i thought man i'm doing it big this is gonna be the night school in columbus <laughs> and we had like 24 foot by 24 foot had some blue mats that went about four feet up on the wall we had a little cage panel i mean it was the whole building office bathroom and training space was like 1400 square feet 
and um and it was clean that was a big thing for me it was clean and um it just looked the part now in my mind's eye what i envisioned was like three times that big but i had just lost my job and decided to open a school at the same time yeah right so all this is kind of going on like if i'm going to do it my wife was super supportive so if you're going to do it let's let's do it do it now yeah yeah, so it was much smaller. I remember the night we finished cleaning it and we were walking out and she's like, you still don't look, whatever. And I was like, well, I just thought it'd be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought it'd be a bigger place. But we had like 25 students, something like that, maybe when we first opened. And then we kind of just slowly, you know, slowly chugged along. And yeah, yeah and you get Have you been to our new place? Not the new one. I have not. So we moved about two years ago. Um, and, and really, you, I mean, again, talk about just right place, right time. So we ended up at our old school. We expanded like several times within this little business plaza we were in. It was kind of like a, it was really smart. Like a, in the summer when it was 90 degrees, it was 95 in our gym. So mm. horrible for kids, um, really horrible for hard training. I mean, in the winter would get down to like 40 degrees. You have to wear like mittens and, and socks, <laughs> brick still building. You know, one summer, uh, summer of, of 2018 or whatever, or 2019, whatever it was, 2018, I noticed there were no kids in the kids' class. Like, I walked over in the other room where the kids were, and I was like, there's no kids in there. It was like 92 degrees. And I was like, <laughs> man, it sucks. So I started looking around on this internet, on the, on the internet, and I found this, like, one of those leasing companies, and I found this space. Like, a buddy of mine who's in real estate, and I said, man, can you, can you call them? And he said, yeah, you can call them, but it's probably going to be really expensive. And uh, it was this big industrial space. Uh, and oddly enough, the address is Americana Parkway. Ah, oh, perfect. <laughs> so I pull in, I'm looking at this place. I'm like, this would be perfect, but there's no way I can afford it. And I have a year left on my lease, right? Yeah. So we leave and go to Master Worlds. I'm in Vegas. The guy calls me and says, hey, he likes the idea of you moving in. If you could do a, you know, a few years, three years or something, he'll do X. And he gave me a number. And I said, you sure that's the right number? <laughs> number. The, the, the place is like just under 8,000 square feet, but yet it was going to be less over the next three years of the current place I was in. This place is huge. Yeah. And central air and heat. It had, you know, we put a shower in there. And we did all this stuff. And so I go to my current place and I say, look, man, because of the way the facility's laid out, I'm losing a lot of potential business what do you think about me breaking my lease early and you just being cool with it? <laughs> work? You know, cause I was one of his only paying tenants because he owned all these units, but then he would like give them out for free because he owned a lot of properties in Columbus. So like you have like a, a roofing company, <coughs> and a security company in one, but I was one of the only like businesses he didn't work with. So I'd always been a paying tenant and really cool with him. Always paid rent on time. And uh, he says, Dustin, let me let me let me call you tomorrow. He calls me back and says, Hey, how soon can you be out? And I said, Well, in a month. He says, It just so happens the doggy daycare three doors down had just told him they were moving out unless they could get a four like a unit with four doors. That's my unit. Oh man! <laughs> I told him that unless they had he needed showers built in because they were going to start uh, doing uh, dog grooming. We had showers installed when we built the school. Man. So he was like, if you can leave and by, I think it was November 17th, then we're golden. I moved out and opened the doors of my new place November 18th. Never wow. Had, he broke my lease, no problem, and got a better deal 
than the place I was in for 2,000 more feet. That's so awesome. That is awesome. Man. How that all worked out. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy how it worked out. But so no, that's, that's cool. huge. Yeah, oh, man, school's doing great. That's good. I'm glad to hear that, man. I'm glad that it's, uh, it sounds like it's growing. Things are going well then. Everyone's yeah, getting yeah. back to normal yeah. and stuff. That's cool. Very yeah, cool. It's got to look, look where you came from too. You know, I was at that little spot, Columbus MMA many times too. Yeah. Yeah. That place, I'm talking, you want to talk about hot box. I mean, it was, that place was hot. I remember we, we bought 900 <laughs> square feet of mat and we thought we were like the new, uh, evolve center. I mean, like we thought we were the best. <laughs> we bought those folding red mats. <laughs> Until so you go to clean those folding red mats and you'd find just the most disgusting slum of hair in the creases of those. <laughs> we didn't probably mop those things but once or twice a month. Nice. Yeah, that, that place, you know, I mean, I, you remember where you come from, but that place, I remember one time we, it was one of our first female students and uh, we had a daytime class and she comes walking in and I was like, class is about over. She goes, oh, I'm not here for class. And she went back out to her car. She came back with some big yellow gloves, <laughs> a bucket, and like bleach. And she goes, I cannot train at this school if you guys don't clean that bathroom. And so <laughs> she went there and scrubbed. And this, this bathroom was disgusting. But I didn't even use the bathroom there. I'd leave and go to like <laughs> down the street. Like, go down the street. <laughs> so yeah, comes to May, it was what it was. I mean, we just, it was a, it was a small little like 900 square foot. I mean, it was probably about a thousand square feet or something like that. It yeah. Was, but uh but it served its purpose and, and like i said the, the place i originally started in, in huntington man it was literally just some folding mats uh above a mexican restaurant shared with a kung fu gym and uh yeah you know so that place was definitely old school like yeah nothing like it so i, I look at the place i have now and now i do I'll, every time I'll, I'll walk out of my academy at night and i'm the last one there and i turn off all the lights and it's pretty cool i'll have to send you a picture chat the way the like the emergency lights, certain lights are set to stay on all the time. Right. For some reason, the one that's right over the middle of my mat shines perfectly down on my huge logo on my wall. So oh, I, nice. Turn off all the lights. The one light that stays on is right over our logo. And I, I would be lying to you if I say you know there are some nights. You know, the other night, in fact, when I was there, I'm looking around and there's I mean there's so many people in there. Yeah. Uh, and then they leave and I'm locking up for the evening and I just kind of catch myself and I'll look over at that low and I'm like, man, that is just crazy to think where jujitsu has brought me from there to here. And then honestly, how many people it's brought from there to here. I mean, I had a student just this morning. Um, he's a correctional officer. He's, he was actually one of my very first students that signed up 11 years ago. And uh, he comes over to me and says, Hey, watch this video. And this guy's a really humble, quiet guy. He's a really experienced purple belt. Mm-hmm. He shows me the video. Now he works in the yard in a maximum security prison, right? Their SRT team, and he gets into it a lot. And he's in very good shape. And um, sure enough, I'm watching this video. Two women are going at it, and then next thing you know, you see my student just run full speed. He grabs this guy, he breaks him up, he throws him to the ground. They try to fight him. I mean, he immediately goes to knee on chest, gets the guy in a, like a, just come more hold, just to hold the arm in place, able to control him, but also able to disengage and defend himself from the other inmates that are in the yard. And, you know, he just says, hey, man, I just, you know, thank you. He says, you know, I, because I've been here for this long, I was able to not even have to, to think I could react. And, you know, I went home that night to my my wife and child and didn't think anything of it. So for me, those kind of experiences are 
powerful, right? Absolutely. I'm, students who are, who are police officers, two, three in the morning, hey, man, I just got into a foot chase. And, um, you know, just thank you. You know, what, what we've worked on in class over the years, it, 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 you know, it made it easier for me to go home tonight. Yeah. That stuff's, it's crazy how that makes you feel. Yeah, it's priceless. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what changed, but the last three years, probably our LEO like students has went through the roof. Like I went from I went from not very many to like, I bet I have close to 40 now. So that's awesome. Some of that is adding an afternoon class just because of their crazy schedule. So that that definitely has helped out. But same thing, like I could not imagine being an officer and not training jujitsu. We were just talking today. So I, I've been a consultant for, so when I first moved up here, a lot of the people I trained with were police officers and they were getting better and they ended up becoming instructors for different departments around Columbus. And then a few years back, I was asked to be a, like pretty much a full-time consultant for Franklin County Sheriff's Office. And I would go in there periodically and work with their instructors and work with their uh, current academy, um, the people that are in the academy to graduate. And um, so I would get to get hands on a lot with these with these young recruits. And um, now, I mean, one of my black belts is a lieutenant for CPD. So that that obviously helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have God, I can tell you, one of my other black belts is actually in the academy right now. Um, we, we I mean, there's some mornings we'll have 25 people in the class and it'll be 20 law enforcement officers. Yep. Same wow. thing. Yeah. Nice. We've, we've always had and I and I go to the academy and I tell them, I said, look, I don't care if you train at my school. I don't care. I, yeah. if, I'll tell you the closest school to you, but do yeah. favor so that you can go home, and you can do your job well. Go train. Go train. Yeah. One of the biggest, the, the, and, and Jake, one of my purple belts, who uh, is is a pretty high speed officer. I don't want to give too much of his business, but pretty high speed guy. He was saying, you know, Dustin, you know, the biggest problem we have is that, you know, working in law enforcement is an alpha position. You have to have an alpha mentality, even mm-hmm. if you an alpha person right so when they get that 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 responsibility a lot of, and they go through that initial training they automatically feel that i don't want to put myself back in a situation where i'm no longer the alpha so even though i know i could probably better myself i know that you know chad whooping up on me it'd probably be better for my ability to do my job because they're all far more likely to need to be able to use their brain and their mouth and their body than their weapon or at least if they're doing their job well, mm-hmm. for some reason it is so hard to get those that those people with that mentality to just be humble for an hour a night. Yeah, go learn something that could literally change or save their life or someone else's life that they don't have to, uh, you know, elevate that escalation of force, right? And so I just think that that if they would train more, officers would train more in in, in a multitude of things, right? Um, it would probably change um, a lot of their lives for the better, but also maybe uh, maybe curb some of the current situations that we have sometimes. Sure. Yeah. 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 We were. I was talking to one of the. He's a long. He's a retired sheriff now and works for. Um, he's a bail bondsman now and works mm-hmm. for the one school and said people are just afraid to go hands on. Yeah. They're, they're just not confident in their skills. So if they're not going hands on, you know what that leads to. I mean, right. I'm gonna go to my next tool. My next tool. Right. And, and we'll that's keep, we'll keep escalating, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And in their mind, that's the tool that gets respect, unfortunately. Right. So, right. Um, well, that's the one that you don't have to work. You know, if, <laughs> you don't have to work. That's yeah, the, that no one's going to tell you you're right or wrong. The person can tell you if you did it right or wrong. You yeah, know? sure. Yeah, 
know what I mean? So if they would just, and also, like I said, it's, it's, it's jujitsu humbling, you know, yeah. they've been trained, they've been conditioned that they cannot, and even in training, they're conditioned just like military, right? So I'm a, I'm a level two Mac P. I did the modern army combatants as the civilian and I've trained some military people in the past. And it, it, it's not that it, a lot of times when you get the new military guy, especially if he's fresh out of the, out of whatever training, they come to your school. They are, I mean, balls of the wall, hell on wheels. You know, you can throw a couple <laughs> of and they're still going to fight for the life, but that's why they have been conditioned that if I lose this match, I don't lose a tournament. I don't yeah. look, I'm fighting literally for survival. They've been hardwired that way. And so it's really hard to sometimes get that group of people to then also say it's okay to come in here and lose. It's okay to come in here and learn. It's okay to come in here and not be the best guy all the time because you've got to learn. You've got to give yourself the opportunity. And um, I think if we can find a way to get – and it's slowly, like he said. I mean, his, his, his law enforcement group is growing. Ours is growing all the time. Um, it's gotten much better, um, but it can always get much better. Sure. I, mean, I talk to academy cadets all the time, and you know, they're all like, "Yeah, train." Academy graduates, they're going to do their eight hours a year of in service and call it a day. And call it a day, yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully, it's trending towards more training now than ever. You know hopefully. what I mean? Just because of um, obviously, it, as prevalent as it is in our society and what we're all seeing. We definitely need it. <clears throat> and it, yeah, it's deconditioning the mind that's been conditioned because it is conditioned. You know, it goes back to, the, to what we were talking about earlier, Dustin, when someone walks into your academy or someone walks into Chad's academy and it's a culture. And yes, it's not for everybody. Jiu-Jitsu isn't for everybody, but it can be or you have to have that it's got to be programmed in you that, Hey, you can do this, or you do have to have that mindset. You've got to have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, kind of in terms of doing it, because you got to be willing to take some pain and be able to fight a little bit. You know, when I say fight, I mean, you know, you're competing on a match, not yeah, physically, physically fighting, but yeah. a lot of the guys, you know, from LEOs or military guys is it's, you've been, they've been conditioned. So mm-hmm. you've been broken down already. And then they've been built up to where, they want to be or wherever, whoever wants them to be that way. And so it's hard for them to come back to, Hey, but I'm seeing, I mean, I know a lot of the guys that are at East coast, man, not all, a lot of them, all of them are, are great. All the LE guys, LEO guys are great and train super hard. And, you know, they take their training very seriously um, Mm -hmm. that are there. So hopefully I would say at my school and it's probably the same at your place and just about anywhere else that, and, and I say that when I say anywhere else, Always the caveat is anywhere else that's running a legitimate academy. Sure, right? yeah. That has a bunch of cops who train in the garage. That's not anywhere else. That's just <laughs> yeah, in the garage. <laughs> Any other legitimate academy. I always find that my my LEOs are probably the very first ones that are willing to go over and work with anybody. Yep. Yeah. That's in their character, right? That's yeah. in their demon. That's who they are. They want to help people. You know, it, it's I I, I, I don't want to get on a, on a rant politically, whatever, but the police officers I know are, are good people. They're good yeah. people. Yeah. They're good people. Um, white, black, doesn't matter. They're sure. Good. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, so when I see them in class, um, you know, those are the first ones I know they're going to reach over and find the new guy, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the weak, so to speak. Right. Sure. Yeah. That's just in them. That's, that's yeah. who they are. So, um, we just got to get more of them 
to realize that it's okay to not always have to have the the alpha flag on it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Right okay on. Yeah. So we're doing that. Um, are you going to come up to police the fire games? Yeah, what day is that? It's in June, right? Yeah, June twelfth. It's a Saturday. Yeah. Um, me, I think because I, I posted something on our our Legion page, which is like our team page. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I, I don't have anything that weekend. So yeah, I already told them because I wanted to get. Cause I, I mean, I have a couple of couple of my OEOs are really high ranked. They're brown belts, black belts, or right? Um, but we have some. We have some new. It's fire as well, right? It's fire, military. It's. Okay. I mean, so I've got. I've got a. Yeah, I've got some guys that I love. I have a, a heavyweight blue belt. I want you guys to to see this guy when I bring him up. Oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> so we call him Thanos. Oh man. Thanos is a machine, and yeah. I, I've I've I would you ask anybody in my academy. I've never rolled with another human being. This must be what it feels like to fight a superhero. <laughs> possible for another human. And I say that because he used to be, when I first met him, he's, a, he's, he's in law enforcement, he's a deputy. And when I first met him, he was about 300 pounds and I'm just massive, right? And he had been, he was a powerlifter, one of the most elite powerlifting gyms on planet Earth, Westside Barbell, right? He's, he's one of their elite lifters. Okay. And he does, he's not in jiu-jitsu at that time. And so a few years later, a few years later, he shows up at my gym He's like 250. He lost like 50 pounds. And uh, he's very quiet. He's very humble. Um, one of the best students I have in my school in terms of he could literally swat anybody because he's not a tall guy, but he's just massive. right? He's so humble and so just wants to learn jujitsu. Never really. He does no gi, but he's off the gi, plays great half guard bottom, likes open guard. And um, and when you see him, though, he just looks like this big, terrifying white gorilla. Like he's <laughs> he, he wears shorts. You can like see the striation his thighs through his, his pants. Man. It's like a 110-pound deadlift. It's stupid how, <laughs> how powerful this man is. Man. And yet he doesn't get tired. He has really good he's a solid, solid blue belt. Yeah. It's like I can't wait to see that. <laughs> like I love yeah. watching him roll people. Because he has no takedown game, but we're just like, all right, ready? Go. And he just tackles him. <laughs> there's, no, there's no stopping that guy so yeah. yeah i do have some guys chat i want to i want to bring up one i just like i love, love the sense of camaraderie at those events yeah uh, you remember a few years ago it's been six years now i did a uh military only grappling tournament mm-hmm. in conjunction with the army got him anthony santiago he's living in columbus he's now in colorado now we we got together and did a, a military grappling tournament and it was awesome i mean yeah different veterans come out and, and compete and roll. And uh, we broke it up by BJJ belt level, but also if they had like a, their level four Mac, like a okay. belt or we kind of, we kind of sure. found a thematic way to do it. And um, it was just awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, the camaraderie that day to see these guys, some of them, you know, some of these veterans, Marines, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Anytime there's an event like that, I always try to, we always try to come out and support. So yeah. We're hoping to be there. And like I told you before, any help you need from me, I'd be Well, happy. that's, I might need it. We'll see what, this is the first year since it's on a Saturday. It's usually on a Wednesday afternoon. So. See, they used to do it in Columbus. Yeah. And so I helped, uh, he used to got uh, major keys. Uh, he's retired. He's now with the Franklin County. I helped him a couple years to run it. Mm. it. It was, I can't remember what day it was on. It may have been a weekday is there as well, but yeah. 
was usually well attended. I mean, 20, 25, I mean, not huge. Yeah. 25 people there. This one has not. So oh, okay. <laughs> when I, when I started helping, they asked me, it was when victory was still around, they would okay. have it over at victory. And, uh, uh, somebody asked me if I'd come and help ref and set up some matches. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And, um, I think we had like six people show up. One oh, guy, okay. one guy drove from Kentucky. I'm like, and I told the guys, I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is yeah, absolutely, this isn't, this is, you have to do something. So the following year we had it at East coast and it was a little better. That was 2019. Um, so this is the first year on a Saturday that I've been involved and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully it'll do better. I told my, you know, I have yeah, enough, I, mean, guys, I have enough guys to fill it up. So if you give me, send me that flyer, send me a link. I'll, um, I'll share it on the AGC page. That page has been inactive for, Lord knows how long I haven't posted anything on there, probably a year. Yeah, until that, until, until that, uh, that, that post, uh, the other day went wild, right? Did you see that? About the, OG, about the AGC having a tournament? Yeah, yeah. That, that event was from two years ago. <laughs> I know, because I saw somebody <laughs> like it or comment, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, some guy, so I saw that. Some guy was like, <laughs> shared it, and I thought, no one's going to buy traction over that. And then, so like Chris Blanky posted, my, that's my boy. Chris Blanky posted, let's go guys. And I'm like, no, <laughs> did you look at the date, Chris? That's 2019, <laughs> but we will be back. So thank yeah. you for the support. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the best. Yeah. So good so looking out. That was hilarious. <laughs> some love. That's a good thing, I guess. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll send you some stuff and hopefully, yeah. um, like I'm not handling the registration, but I told the guys that are, yeah. I'm like, Hey, I, I need to know who is signing up that week. Like how many people do I have? Cause it's, right. you know, I don't want to walk in Saturday morning and there's a hundred people, which would be awesome. But right. you know, I need to make yeah, sure I'm, I'm staff. I can try to throw, cause I hope to know the date of my tournament. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I was planning on sending out, I haven't used our, our email blast in forever. Oh, right. But do is whatever I do, put that together i could throw a link onto that okay and, um, hopefully get the word out you know yeah and i think it'll help too if people go to like that i'll send you a link to the ohio police and fire games page but to see who all actually can compete it's not just police and fire it's right it's like relatives of and well yeah and if you had a like if you were a cop and your son's 18 and you don't train he can he can do it yeah like so there's a lot of people that can do yeah, it it's much they, more open because the one that was down here it was like no you had to be able to show your badge and right mm. It was very strict. Like you couldn't, you couldn't just show up. But yeah, so I'm hoping for a good turnout. And then the the following day, the 13th on Sunday morning, we're bringing Jay Wadsworth in for a uh, LEO okay. seminar. So very cool. And he's doing a super fight at our at the police and fire games. Too. I think I saw that. Is he doing it with? Uh, is it Mark, Mark Farrell? Yeah. 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 Jay. Actually, we were going to have Jay come down and do a a law enforcement thing at our place. We just never got around to get yeah. it um, organized yeah this will be the second time he's a good dude he knows his stuff yeah definitely so cool yeah sounds good man awesome yeah i'm sure me and dustin can talk for another two hours. nice we, we, it's all good man yeah, i mean if you, you, if anything you want to talk about we can talk about you like <laughs> jiu-jitsu history like uh you know I, I love video games you want to talk about video games we can play some video games <laughs> I wouldn't call I will, myself a gamer, but I do like video games. Yeah. I will say those, the, some of them early seminars that I got, I was fortunate to come down to your place with George. Well, I wish I could go back, you know, and like, 
get the get the details that I'm sure I didn't get. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think just like anything else, we it, it, we talked about our, our age, right? And so I think when you do jujitsu long enough, you realize that there you go to when you're when you're new. I would say when you're young, even if you're 40, but when you're a white belt, sure. you go to seminars and you get wowed by the wow moves, right? Mm. And that was awesome. That that roll over the shoulder to Uma Plata was great. But as a black belt for like over 11 years now, I'm like, man, did you see his grip? That's <laughs> yeah. I wish I would have paid attention to more of. And yeah. I've become... The adage of at black belts where you get to really learn, that is a very that's not lip service. You because you have an appreciation for the the minutia of jujitsu that you don't when you're coming up through the ranks. Because when you're coming up, you, you're just you're you're so you're you're drinking fire hose, right? You're trying to trying to absorb all this information and you're trying to keep it and figure out what you need and what you don't and what works well for you, and what you don't. And you're you're constantly like squirrel, and you're looking all over the place. You get sidetracked, but I think you eventually, when you get to black belt, and probably upper level brown, but definitely black belt, you have such a great appreciation for the nuance of even just shifting weight or yeah. or the setup. It's not the huge moves. I mean, I've been very fortunate. Um, I, I was able to go to a seminar um, in 2007. It was the first. Hicks and Gracie seminar he had done in the United States that wasn't just for affiliates. Mm-hmm. Crazy Chad. It was it was uh, 250 people uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm talking the whole thing sold out like an hour. Wow. Man. Hammonds calls me. He said, Dustin, Hickson's coming. If you got some students that want to come, it's going to sell out fast because Eric Silver, which is one of his original students, was getting his black belt and Hickson was bringing everybody in and doing this mega seminar. And I remember going to nashville it was a 12-hour seminar so it was six hours wow right and and i remember i was there with like robin geesler and, and a few other guys uh that really respected jim kelly down in cincinnati super awesome guy and um and i remember leaving that seminar thinking someone asked me how was it did he show and i'm like you know the only way i can explain it, it was like a, a master's class and the, the fundamentals of like applied physics and how you relate it to jujitsu. It was like balance stuff and grips and how you shift your weight. And I don't think, at least in my opinion, had I went to that seminar as like a new blue belt, I'd have been bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have appreciated what I was learning, right? And just like a few years after that, at my camp, I had uh, Masio Stambowski, which if you're familiar with... Uh, Neiman Gracie, who fights in Bellator, Demacio mm-hmm. is his father. Okay, was a red white belt. The guy is a wrist lock nightmare. <laughs> so if you ever look at any of the old, really old Gracie pictures, right, like back in the seventies or now the show, if you look, you'll see this really tall guy. I mean, like six foot six, six seven. That's Masio. He okay. came up to Gracies in, in in their infancy. He's actually kind of credited uh, for popularizing the triangle. That's mm. that was his thing. Okay. So you know Crawler? Yes, yes. So it's Crawler's. That's who gave Crawler's back black belt. He, he, you know Crawler's dad's a black belt. It was it was Masio who he kind of is under. And okay. His uncle. Um, and so I'm good friends with Crawler. He's an awesome dude. But uh, his when Masio came to my school, I mean, I loved wrist locks before. You know, you could wrist lock a person that many ways. <laughs> 
and, and he it, it was just the like again, it was just the details. Yeah, I've had Buchecha. We had Buchecha at a seminar. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a single thing, but Jesse showed it that time. Right. Like, I, I don't. Like there was, it was so many moves that were very tailored to the six three super athletic type. Yeah. That didn't speak to me, right? But you get to have someone who's, I think, a little bit older in the tooth, so to speak. Yeah. Have a way of teaching and sharing information that you're like, oh, that makes much more sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I've, you know. Getting, getting my black belt and getting older, like we've talked, I'm very more selective on who I want to bring in for a seminar and what mm-hmm. seminars I want to attend. Yep. You know, again, you get, was a purple belt, man, I was going to every seminar I could get my hands on. I just wanted to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some were very good. Again, I was very, for lack of a better word, just because he, I don't, you know, he wasn't in the seminar circuit. I think George is underrated unless you're in his circle or in his affiliation. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? George is- George is such a, a, a charismatic guy. And so yeah. when, when you're in his center, when you're in his presence, when you're in one of his classes, he could be teaching you how to tie his belt, but he does it with such passion. Yeah. Like, but no one is ever going to tie you my belt better than <laughs> George. You, you, no one gets that excited, right? Yeah. And so he, he, he does, uh, he has a lot of, uh, a lot of, he, he views jujitsu different, I think, um, because he's, in his mind, he's a fighter first. Yeah. You know, I think, and so he, you know, and that's one thing with like our team, SAS team, like our, you know, Master Salzino, uh, he's, he's definitely more of, um, you know, he's, he's never been one to be a, a point guy. He's like, you know, like mm-hmm. Matt Salzino, the only word he really said well in English was trauma. <laughs> Man. Rolling your, your, your partner in every position should be uncomfortable. Like that is, kind of George's mentality, shoulder pressure, make them hurt, make every, so it was a, it, it is a very, sometimes seminars are very unique. They can, they can maybe to the, to the untrained eye seem like, why are we doing the same move for two hours? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, you know, we had a seminar once in my school and it was just a, it was an ankle lock. It was just a straight ankle set up for a straight ankle lock. And he spent probably 99% of the time going into entrance of this ankle lock. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, why did we do this for two hours? But then if you watch my students over the next like three months, yeah, they all got damn good at ankle locks. Yeah, I bet. No, so they didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Sure, so George yeah. does have a really good way of of conveying some some details. He pounds it into your head. Yeah. It'll be 20 moves, but it'll be one or two that, that'll stick with you. And you'll find a way for it to fit in your game. Because like you were saying, Chad, I think sometimes we we look at people ask me, man, you should have X. I don't know if it's Keenan or, or someone. Yeah, whatever, yeah. We could, but um, but I think there's people out there that that get you'd have more value. You get more content that you're mm-hmm. able to use. And that's not a knock on the Keenan or whatever. I mean, we had a, a couple a, like a year or two. It was probably about two years ago. I had Gianni um, when he was coming through him and Aaron, I guess, were coming through cross country, driving from. Oh, right. And, um, and I had known Gianni since he was a little kid. I'd Mm -hmm. him in Naga, like when he was like 10, 11 years old. Right. So when he came through, I was like, yeah, man, if you want to stop my academy, no one in my school knew who, knows who Gianni was. Right. I had like, I had like seven people, literally (laughs) like seven people at my school. Yeah. Gianni Grippo seminars. It was like 30 bucks or something. It was dirt cheap. Right. (laughs) 
So you have that. I had Chris Morardi multiple times in my school because I've known mm-hmm. Chris forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think one time we had like 10 people. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, you know, I, I think it's it's tricky when you own a school and you're trying to have seminars because you're, you're balancing, you know, do I lose the $3,000 of the cost me to bring this person in? Right. I, was, I selfishly want to learn from them. Or do I bring in the person that is just going to show all kinds of shit and people are going to come and I, I might, I selfishly might get one or two things out of it. Right. I mean, the, the seminar that blew my mind that sold out is when we had Kurt Osiander. It literally, and I told Kurt, I said, man, I know you don't like to fly. I said, but if you'd be willing to stay another day, we could sell this seminar out again. <laughs> I mean, and we sold out in like a week and I probably had another like 50 people on the waiting list. Wow. And hey, don't get me wrong. And Kurt showed some good stuff. Absolutely. He's a real cool ass dude, but I think more people were there because he's a guy because he's yeah <laughs> yeah i mean his literature just happens to be good right but um right but yeah we had like the Masios of the world or or someone it's like oh yeah, i don't know who that is so yeah <laughs> so i'm not coming yeah yeah I'm not coming. <laughs> but. oh jujitsu has evolved too from that to like now like you were saying earlier like it's from old school to new school so more people are tuning in let's say so yeah, to speak. I, I think so. And I think people are, are eventually, you know, we appreciate things when they're gone, right? Whatever those Yeah, things. whatever they are. Sure. And I think what what I am afraid of is that I hope we never get to a place in jujitsu where an appreciation for the the original reason why we have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? For a pure self like a sure. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and I hope we don't we as as we America, as we continue to Americanize jujitsu, even if we say we're not doing it, it, it's by nature. It's happening. It's happening, sure. Right? So we need to make sure that there's enough of us out there that we're not trying to fall into the trap of just appeasing whatever the fads are, and we're sticking true to what they should be learning, right? Yeah. And what we hope they're learning. What Sting, we're trying to yeah. Do. Staying true to the art itself. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't think that's, I mean, I, I can't say that I've noticed in, in, in Ohio, right? From my experience, we're very fortunate to have some, some instructors that have been teaching for a really long time, some really established teams and schools. And, I mean, you're going to have flash in the pan academies that might show up and they're, they're more, not necessarily competition-based, but maybe not as established. But for the most part, 99% of the schools everybody's learning good jujitsu. Like there's not, there's not like bad jujitsu out there. You, you, you won't run across like a, uh, I think in your bigger States, you, you might run across a purple belt or a brown belt. You're like, how the hell did I get a purple? Or like, who, who did that? Right. I think in Ohio, right. you, you step on the mat with a purple belt and they're from one of the academies here in Ohio. They're from a, you know, it doesn't matter where they're, where they're from. One of the legitimate academies, you're going to know they're a purple belt. They're not going to sneak up on you. Yeah. And I think the right. good thing about Heinz, we're still kind of small. Our community is still small. Sure. We're having a conversation oh, yeah. with Seth Daniels. When when Seth was wanting to bring fights to win Ohio, and, and I helped out in the first few of them, I was like, he doesn't understand. He's like, man, you guys don't have, like, shit. There's no black belts. There's no... And he's like, what do you mean? There's like, there's like 15 black belts in Ohio. <laughs> he's like, man, in Denver, we, could, we have, like, just our team alone, like the Amal Easton, like a, it's a Hendo Gracie, 
Denver Metroplex. I think just that team has like a hundred black belts. Wow. <laughs> I was wow. like, yeah, man. That's I said, I think what what really kind of from a competitor director's perspective, what really made Ohio jump off of the map was the Arnolds, right? And like yeah. had so much prestige to it in the early two thousands. And then my tournaments started popping up, and then some of my tournaments got really big. And it wasn't even at the size of some of my tournaments. It was the caliber of the super fights we were able to get. Yeah. You know, when you get Gary Toted at your tournament in Akron, people are like, man, who's this tournament? Who's this? What is this? Yeah. Right. And so I think the perception is is that the jiu-jitsu community here is this massive – there's 500-member schools everywhere you look, and there's 35 black belts in every academy. And that's never been the case. And I think – Often, organizations like Fight to Win will come to Ohio and realize, like, damn, that's not what I th- I thought there'd be way more belts <laughs> there. You know, um, you know, IBJJF comes and they're like, hey, we're going to do a tournament in Cincinnati, and there's like seven black belts to compete, and it's mainly white and blue belts that jump in the tournament, right? Right. And so I think um, I think because of the success of those early uh, Arnold's events, um, and some of those are historical. I mean, if you want to go down a, a wormhole and really. Mm-hmm get an idea of the level of jiu-jitsu that you would sometimes early Gracie tournaments in two, between 2000 and 2003, whether it was the Gracie Nationals in the fall or the Arnold Championships in, the, in, the, in March at the Arnolds. I mean, some of the most historic submission rapping pre-ADCC was happening in Columbus, Ohio. Like, yep. It's not even fair. In fact, one year, the one year I helped out, of about several years, I, I want to say it was 02, I remember uh, Helson's partner was this this older gentleman named John Cooper, not the football Ohio State, but another <laughs> guy John Cooper. And uh, John had always asked me to help out. And I remember he was like, Dustin, your job is to look at the applications for the pro division. I'm like, all right, cool. That's an awesome job. I'll, I'll, I'll vet those people who are coming in. And I'm looking. And I remember back then, MMA TV, the underground, was mm-hmm. the best way to advertise jujitsu because there was no Facebook or anything. And, um, and I happened to know the guys who started the underground character Janess and those guys. And so I had a moderator account on the underground. So I was able to post like actual pictures. And, stuff. and I remember posting, I didn't put a name on it. I just put the roster from ADCC that year. And I put the roster from the Arnold's and I asked everyone, which one's better? Like, which is, which one would be more competitive? And it was like five to one, the Arnold's like, that was the talent pool. I mean, you had Marcelo, man, and, wow. uh, uh, his, I mean, you had, it was a who's who of the top guys in the Rosalo, Marcelo, Sanji, a bunch of Brazilians, yeah. I can't remember their names now that were competing, yeah. Christian Marcelo. I mean, it was incredible, the level of competition um, that we were fortunate to just be able to sit match down like this. <laughs> yeah. And I have no idea, you know, the infamous Peja Pano, uh, you know, the, the, the Jeff Munson, you know, Peja Pano match and, and just all these crazy matches yeah. historically happened. They weren't on the West Coast. They weren't some big IBJJF. They were in Columbus at the convention center. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. At 2 a.m. probably. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you have no idea. I mean, I, 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 the opportunity I had to work on those events was awesome because it laid the groundwork for how I knew I didn't want to run my tournaments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It showed me exactly how not to run my tournament. And then it's actually how I met. Um, so Dan Summer, who found the ultimate fighter, he's a black butt under Henzo Gracie and, um, or actually Ricardo Almeida, but he, uh, he was at one of the Arnold's one year 
and I'm setting up the venue or whatever, like on a Friday. And Dan had showed up, and he, I just happened to meet him. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm, I got nothing to do." And so he starts telling me about this organization called Naga. So this must be in '03. And I was like, "I've never, I've heard of it, but I've, it's not around here." He goes, "Oh man, they're coming and setting up a booth, like at the Arnold's. They're setting up a Naga booth to give people information about." Which was smart for Kip. Kip's a genius business guy. He went to the biggest tournament in the Midwest and then set up a booth about his tournaments all over the country. <laughs> and so Dan was like, "Oh man, you ought to you ought to meet Kip if you if you're good at if you like this tournament stuff and refing." Kip's a good dude. He'll let you come out and work for Naga and all this stuff. And so I ended up meeting Kip Kolar and uh, and then I that was kind of opened the doors. I got to travel all over and referee and and go to all these Naga. So really. Between working the Arnold's and seeing what not to do, and then back then, Kip, his stuff was like a machine. I mean, yeah. he went to a tournament once. I mean, he had like 1,900 competitors, and he ran wow. through them in a day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. you wow. know? Whereas we'd go to a – we went to a, a Gracie – one of the Helsinki tournaments once, and like Chad was saying, it might be – like you, they tell you to get there at 9 a.m., then they tell you your tournament, your division might start at 6 p.m., and then at like 12 and like 9.30 to say you're about to get started. And then at 11.30, you realize you have one person that's there. Like you yeah. have one match. That was common. That wasn't yeah. that wasn't an uncommon thing for you to wait 14, 16 hours and then find out you only had one match to begin with. Yeah. Man. Nah, it no thank crazy. you. <laughs> no, it was, those, were, those were crazy days. But, but here's the thing. When you have a monopoly – on the tournament scene, there were no tournaments. No, nothing. The, yeah. the IBJJF back then, it was called like the CBJJF. Yeah. And they only ran one tournament in the United States annually. It was in Florida. It was the Pan Ams. They ran it in Florida with Masio Siemens. And uh, back then, it was very open. Like, Gracie Baja ran these tournaments. Mm-hmm. And Masio was the main Gracie Baja guy down in Florida. And so, really, there was that tournament. There was the occasional Gracie tournament, Helsinki tournament that he'd run in Ohio. Kaiki had some tournaments out on the West Coast, South Bay, out in like San Diego and that kind of stuff. And really, you, you had some other standalones. You had Grappler's Quest and, 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 and Naga. East Coast, yeah. Yeah, and so and that was that was about it. So when, when if you wanted to compete, and Helson knew this too at the time, he was like, if you want to compete, you're just going to have to come and man, no, thank you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You. Yep. you know, and so... Um, Eventually, it kind of wore its it wore itself out, and that's why he he didn't you know he didn't run it anymore. The the Arnold's people kind of like, hey, we, we can't have these two in the morning jujitsu matches. <laughs> yeah. No but, fun. Uh, <laughs> no, they're not fun. They're not fun. <laughs> so I mean, my first tournament, my first real jujitsu tournament ever was a Helsinki Gracie tournament. It was the first uh, Gracie Nationals uh, here in Columbus in two thousand, and I remember. I had never, I didn't grow up in martial arts and uh, my friend, Brian Adderson, one of my best friends, uh, we showed up. We're not affiliated with any team. We didn't really, we weren't really with George yet, kind of really showed up and they tell everyone to get on the loudspeaker and they say, okay, line up by your academy. It looks like a scene out of like um, a karate kid. Like everyone's standing in their white geese and there's just rows of people with all their, like their different, the triangle, different Gracie passes all Gracie students. And then Brian and I are just kind of standing in the back looking at each other like, I hope no one yells at us because like, we're not a part of this club. We don't really know what's what's going on. But even then, I mean, Saler was doing a super fight that day. Um, uh, Shaolin did a super fight against the the judo instructor from Ohio Judo, a guy named Virgil. Wow. 
Shaolin's like 150, Terry. If you don't know who Shaolin is, yeah, 50 pounds. But they call him Shaolin for a reason. I mean, he's like a ninja. He's <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, yeah. Virgil was an awesome judo player, but not against Shaolin. Not against Shaolin. Yeah. But uh, Look at yeah, all that. I mean, I remember those tournaments like it was yesterday, and I was you know 21 years ago. So that's awesome, though, man. That's the kind of yeah. stuff that just never yeah. leaves you, though. Those are like great mm-hmm. memories and great things that you always know and share. You know, mm-hmm. that's cool. I love to hear that stuff. It's awesome. There's a YouTube video out there of Dustin interviewing me for a tournament, one of your tournaments, like a little commercial. Oh, somewhere. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I think I'm. I'm yeah. Healthy on YouTube. I'm not out there very much. I'm going to find this now. Yeah. I'm posting you're, you're more this. likely to find my. I used I'll, to do to, my, I'll to find it. And send it to you. Okay. Yeah, I used to do a like a webcast with a. With a ESPN uh, radio guy down here, you know, Jordan. It was a pretty cool show. And there's some of those videos. It's called In the Cage or Inside the Cage or whatever. We'd go to some like UFCs and Strike Force and we built this little stage at my academy. And it was pretty cool. We had these nice. men from the from the media school. And yeah, it was pretty cool. We did it for about a year. But the, those are about the only videos of me. There might be one or two matches online, but that's about it. I, I, <laughs> there's one in German. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was teaching a seminar in Germany, and my buddy nice teach some stuff, and then they translated into German. So there's that nice. one. Who can say they have a uh, translation of yeah. just a German? Black belt was from Germany, so he, uh, nice. Yeah, we go over and see him a good amount. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Well, man, you got uh, you got anybody you want to shout out or uh, any sponsors or anything? You know, man, I, I don't have any sponsors. Um, you know, I definitely, you know, just appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on and talk. I, I, I love talking about jujitsu. I love talking about the jujitsu scene here in Ohio and, um, and just having the opportunity anytime to just kind of share, you know, my backstory, but just anybody that's passionate about jujitsu, I can, I can talk about jujitsu. So um, the opportunity has been awesome. Um, if I do, I do want to say, um, you know, I know this last year for many of our academies, uh, you know, it was, was a challenging time. And like I said, obviously from our earliest discussion, you know, my, my school and hopefully like many others have rebounded. Um, but if I could give a shout out to anybody, it's definitely uh, my jujitsu family. When we closed down last year, um, you know, it was very easy for our, for our students to be like, Hey, you know, you're closed, you're not open, you know, I'm sorry, we can't help you. And, you know, that was not the case for, for us. You know, many of our students who could definitely supported our Academy uh, while they had the opportunity and it really it made a huge difference in just kind of keeping the lights on and 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 you know allowing us to be feasible when we could return and so if i want to thank anybody it's everybody that's you know all my family at ocsa and even some other out you know students from other affiliates that just stepped in and were like hey dustin you're a good guy we don't want to see your school you know fall on hard times so for anybody that's any, ever supported, you know, our academy in any way, whether it's through seminars or our tournaments, uh, you know, I'm always greatly appreciative of every, every blessing that I've been given. So thank you. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for being with us too. We appreciate all of it and just hanging out. It's good to meet you, man. Good talking to you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Hearing all the stories and all this youngness of Chad that I didn't, the youngness. Think, I, I didn't yeah, think existed. Yeah, all right. Yeah. He's always been bald though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I haven't seen a single picture of him ever with hair. I don't think. <laughs> no. There's, There's some out there. Yeah, <laughs> That's what happens <laughs> when we get older. It's jujitsu. Yeah. It makes the hair yeah. fall out. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, that was my daughter. <laughs> I, my daughter. My daughter was born. I started losing my hair. So. <laughs> Mine just turned gray and white. Lose <laughs> <laughs> that too. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, my brother. Well, hey, man, Dustin, we appreciate you All very right. much. Thanks for everything you're doing, man. You keep Absolutely. up the great work, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. I appreciate it, Terry. Thank you, Chad. I'll All see right, you, buddy. Sure. All right, brother. See ya. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Remember, come back each and every week. We got great guests lined up, great conversations going on here. Remember, go out there, follow us on social media, give us a like, share some of our shows, get the word out there what we're doing. We appreciate you and thank you for all that you do for us. Take care. Until next week, we'll see you.